Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the All Caught Up podcast. I'm your host Courtney Pitcher and I am super excited to have you tuning in. It's going to be a good one, so get comfy and let's get all caught up. Before we jump into it, I would just like to put in a disclaimer that in this episode we talk about cancer, infertility and mental health issues which may be triggering to some listeners. If you do find this episode brings up unwanted memories or feelings, please reach out to a trusted friend or health professional. I will pop links in the bio of some fantastic resources. When you're in your early 20s, it feels like you have your whole life ahead of you. You're finishing uni or working your way up the career ladder figuring out exactly what and who you want to be. Nothing can stop you on your path for success. For my wonderful friend Gemma, this came to a halt in 2020 when Gemma was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. Gemma is one of the strongest people I know and has experienced far more than the average 23-year-old. Gemma joins us today on the All Caught Up podcast to talk about her experiences and what she's doing currently. Gemma, thank you so much for joining us. Woohoo! No, I'm excited to be here. It's exciting. We haven't seen each other in ages. Obviously, Gemma is located in Wellington and I'm up here in Auckland. I genuinely think the last time I saw you was like actually in person was your 21st birthday. Really? Yeah. No. I know. No, I mean it. And you're bloody, you're turning, you're turning 24 tomorrow. Like. I know. Oh my God. So, so that's been three years. Yeah. Three years since I've been in person. Wow. No, that's fucked quite yeah, frankly, and we, yeah. I'm hopefully we'll be down in Wellington for Christmas. Yeah, well, we'll be holding you to that. So for those listening who don't know you, would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, so my name is Gemma Jacobson, and I'm a 23-year-old female from the mighty Hutt Valley. Yeah, up the Hutt. I'm currently unable to work, but I have a Bachelor of Arts degree majoring in political science and history. But I am a full-time dog mum to a cute five-month-year-old Labrador Retriever. I love all things music and sports. And currently, I'm just trying to get better at swimming because I can't kick, stroke, and breathe all at the same time. So, yeah, that's, that about sums me up. So, as I mentioned in the introduction, Gemma was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia last year. Gemma, are you able to tell us a little bit about your journey? When were you diagnosed and how did you find out? Um, yeah. Uh, so. It's kind of weird. Like, I feel like I remember the exact moment I felt that I got sick. So Melbourne was in like a level three lockdown at the time. And I was out on my everyday lockdown walk around the Melbourne Botanic Garden. And I felt like this chill. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get a cold. And then like a day later, I started developing like tonsillitis symptoms. And I was like, oh, I've got tonsillitis. And because of the lockdown, I couldn't see a doctor in person. And my tonsillitis started getting really bad. So I was like, doing a telehealth call so I was like facetiming the doctor and I needed my mum to like get a spoon to hold my tongue down and my dad like flashes it was a three-man job flashes phone light in so the doctor could see my throat and he was like nah, yeah it looks like tonsillitis so they gave me 10 uh, days of penicillin um, but the 10 days went up and I started feeling absolutely horrendous like so much worse I was getting these blinding headaches and I was doing the classic thing that you really shouldn't do when you're sick. And I started Googling my symptoms. And, you know, like every normal person that like Googles their symptoms, like it always comes up that you have cancer. But, you, you know, you never have 
cancer. Like it's just, everyone's like, oh my God, I could have cancer. You don't have cancer. So I, I stepped it down. Like I knew I was sick. So I was like, hmm, maybe I have bacterial meningitis. Um, and maybe I'd caught that like um, when I've been volunteering in Nepal at the start of that year. And it just took months to come out. And so I was like, okay, I need to go see a doctor. But I couldn't see a doctor in person without getting a COVID test. But I was too sick to go get a COVID test. And so my mum was like, we need to take you to the hospital. And I was like, um, nah, I'm being dramatic. I'm not that sick. Um, and I was like, I'll sleep it off. I'll sleep it off. And so I, I went to sleep. And an hour later, I like went up to my parents and said, look, I think I'm dying. And we went to ED. And it turns out I kind of was. They did a few tests. And like the doctor sat down on my bed and was like, hey, do you know what uh, leukemia is? And I was like, uh yeah it's like a blood cancer and he was like yeah I'm really sorry and I was like oh okay <laughs> it just all happened so quickly um and yeah that was the 23rd of July 2020. I honestly can't imagine what you went through when the doctor did say that to you how did you process that news was that something that took you a while to come to terms with? Honestly in a weird way there was some sort of relief in the diagnosis because I generally thought I was being a dramatic little bitch like I was like I'm not that sick like but yeah I guess it was a it was quite a blur in the time like I was so sick but I just remember remember it like time had stopped and it's like in that moment I had to figure out how I was going to deal with this and I kind of was like well I can't change what's happening to me like I can't get rid of this cancer like it's, it's happening I have to deal with it but I do have the choice of how I'm going to deal with it. And I just think through other experiences I've had in my life, I was like, right, I'm going to be positive because I'm not, I'd rather be happy and sick than sad and sick. It's still obviously something I'm still coming to terms with, but I feel like mind over matter really does sometimes do a lot. The power of positive thinking really can affect both your mental and physical health. It's actually crazy how the brain and stuff can respond to that. So, I mean, everyone knows someone or has ex themselves experienced cancer. But when I when I think about it personally, I never think of, you know, a healthy 23-year-old being the one who would be the one to deal with it. Obviously, being younger, that's really tough. Did you face any, like, obstacles in your treatment process? Yeah, so when I was first diagnosed in late July literally a week after I was diagnosed Melbourne moved into their second strict lockdown so my parents couldn't come and visit me in the hospital which in itself you know when you're going through probably one of the most traumatic times in your life and not being able to have your support system close to you um, it was a lot like I was probably grateful that I was quite sick that I just slept all day because I didn't really have time to process my emotions but to be honest it got to a point where I just kind of expected bad news. It, it was like I got over one hill to find an even bigger hill on the other side. No cases the same. Like I would talk to people um, in the waiting rooms at the like uh, cancer clinic and, you know, everyone would have a different story. And some people would have worse things at this time that I breathed through and then things that they breathed through. I had a horrific time. But I guess the biggest obstacle that I had to overcome was so after my transplant well just before my transplant which was in late December I was going to have full body radiation and chemotherapy and the doctor basically told me that 
the full body radiation was going to make me infertile. And um, because of all the treatment of the chemo that I'd had, there wasn't enough time between sessions for me to, for my body to rejuvenate healthy eggs, for me to have the opportunity to freeze my eggs. Um, so that was probably like, I didn't cry when I got told that I had cancer and I didn't really have any real negative emotion towards it. But um, that really hit me hard and still is something I am processing and probably will be processing for the rest of my life. I mean, I've always dreamed about being a parent. I mean, I've always wanted to adopt, which is obviously something I still can do. But yeah, you know, I was 22 and the opportunity to have my own child had been ripped away from me. And it's like, I've, I think I'm still grieving that. Yeah, that's, I, it's one of those things where like, again, I can't change that fact. And it's just a fact that I have to learn to live with and learn to be able to deal with. I honestly can't imagine what emotions you would have felt when hearing that news. I really appreciate you sharing that with us all. At a time when you were dealing with a lot of heavy stuff, was there anything friends or family said to you that you wish they hadn't or things you wish they had said? I personally can sometimes find it really difficult to find the right words when responding to such heavy situations. So I'm going to call you out here because you said it in my introduction. Did I say something? Yeah, you did. No, no, <laughs> wait. Um, so you said it in the introduction. So I hate being called strong. I hate being called brave. Like, it just makes me want to curl, curl up into a ball and, like, evaporate. Just, it's just one of those things. Like, I just, I'm not really a compliment person. And so obviously being in this situation, everyone wants to tell you how great you are. And it just makes me so uncomfortable because at least in a normal situation, like if someone's like, wow, I love your dress, you can be like, yeah, and I love your hair. But like when someone's like, you're so brave and you're so strong, I can't be like, haha, no, you too. Like there's, but yeah, otherwise, I guess there's not like, there's not really anything I think that people can say that can upset me. Like I just wish people wouldn't tiptoe around it so much. Like, I know people have questions, and that's why I tried to be so open and honest about my experience, because I know not a lot of people know someone in their 20s that had cancer. But things I am grateful that people said is that, like, I mean, all I ever wanted to hear from anyone was that they were there if I needed them. I didn't need people to constantly ask how I was doing or say how much they loved me, but just to know that if I needed them, they were there. That was probably most important thing for me the support network is really important when you're going through something like that to just help you get through every day and give you a little bit of normal normalcy is that a word norm normality <laughs> and on that note what would you tell a person who learned of their cancer diagnosis recently perhaps someone who's also in their 20s or younger would you have anything you'd want to tell them well, I'd probably start with like, hey, I'm really sorry that this is happening to you and that I don't know what's going to happen for them because just because something was like it for me doesn't necessarily mean it'll be even remotely similar to what you're going through. But just to take things day by day because you're going to have good days, even great days, but you're also going to have some really shit ones as well. And you're just going to learn so much about yourself 
and this journey is going to be a roller coaster so just hold your loved ones close and try to find the small wins you know find the good and all of the ugly and keep that light shining the brightest in your mind because mindset can really make a difference. So the great news is that Gemma is now in remission. Can you tell us what it was like adjusting back into normal life? You've moved back from Australia. Uh, yeah, so I definitely would say I'm still adjusting um, because it is a lot, especially moving back to the to lower hut. Even though the hut never seems to change, I felt like I had changed so much. Um, sometimes it felt like I was a stranger in my own life and I really had to discover who I was post-cancer and I'm still trying to figure out who that person is. I guess, you know, like, it's so weird, like, falling back into a, like, my school friend group, our school friend group, sorry. It just seems like, you know, sometimes it's so hard because everyone's doing such normal things, you know, they've graduated uni, they're doing their real adult jobs and, you know, they're out flatting and I can't work, and I'm living at home with my parents. So just trying to find little things that keep me motivated and keep me going. I think adjusting back to normal life, it helps to set many achievable goals that you can get through every week to then build up to where you want to go. And because we're all about celebrating the good things on the All Caught Up podcast, are there any moments in your life that you are proud of or your biggest achievements that you'd like to share with us? Ooh, I think one of my biggest achievements would probably be getting fit for the army in year 13. Like, I think that was a really big thing for me. I think about that year as a whole, and I feel like I achieved so many things, especially things I didn't think I would be able to, and especially things that people didn't think I would be able to. I'm probably most proud of coming to terms with my own mental health. Suffered in silence for a really long time with my depression that I started to not recognize the person that I was and who I was becoming. And I didn't like the person that I was becoming. And I was blacking out, having anxiety attacks and using alcohol as a crutch. But I realized that I needed help. And so I I went and saw a site, saw a couple of sites, because you don't click with every site, you know, just because they're a psychologist doesn't mean they know what's right for you. Like you need to find someone that you can actually build a rapport with. I started putting myself and my mental health back together and now I'm in a really good place. And I think coming to the realization that my mental health issues were always going to be in my life was something that really helped. Like I need, I need, I had to come to the realization that I was never going to get rid of them. They were always going to be there and I needed to learn how to live with them and to cope with them and how to control them instead of them controlling me. Yeah, I think that's what I'd be most proud of. I mean, I probably should be proud of the fact that I also bit cancer, but like, you know. <laughs> They're all great achievements. And I agree that therapy and, you know, speaking to someone is, I, I think it should be more widely accepted. Like it really can help. And it, it gives you that third party view. That person is looking at your your life from a lens. I guess they're not involved in the everyday, so they don't have, filters over everything and they really can help and give people you know the mechanisms they need and whether they're really suffering with mental health or they're just having some bad like a bad blip I think you know going to therapy should really be something that's encouraged and not something that's like a taboo topic 100 percent, 100 percent. I think that's definitely something that we're seeing more um in nowadays than what when we were younger 
it was so still taboo like there was a big stigma around it um but I know like personally I've always well since leaving school tried to be really open and honest about my mental health because I know how much just one person being like hey I've I've had a pretty hard time someone to be like you know what I've had I'm having a hard time I need help yeah it's really important that we talk about it so you mentioned before that one of your achievements was getting ready for the army yeah so god the army being in the army feels like a lifetime ago my personal experience was a mixed bag really like I obviously left the army and um, had to leave because it had become detrimental to my own life if I stayed in you know it wouldn't have been great and I think that's really important that you recognize that this job because it is just a job at the end of the day was impacting your mental health and you needed to leave in order to get better I mean that's what I did with my job that I was only in for six weeks I, I know it's different to the army but it still has that same sort of message no but that's why I was so proud of you like that's why I was so like good on you because it does take a lot like it took a lot for me I felt like I was disappointing so many people like I I think I thought in my mind like everyone's like Jim is in the army Jim is an army girl and that who was I going to be if I wasn't in the army like where where were people going to see me I'm so grateful for everything that the army taught me like I have some incredible friends from my time in the army and like you do make a completely different type of friend when it's 3am in the morning, negative seven degrees and you're outfield waiting for a fake enemy to come and attack you. It's a whole other world. I learned so many skills. I've experienced so many things. I mean, I've seen countless people drink water from their iron because we were going to get an inspection and you'd get like very much told off having water in your iron. And like, I met people from defense forces all around the world and got to share my country with them. You know, I still noticed habits that I'd picked up whilst I was in the army. It's just a pretty cool experience to say. Like, I mean, I can strip and assemble a machine gun. I've thrown a grenade. Like I've done, like, I've done some pretty cool stuff. I also did some pretty stupid stuff. Like I had to get stitches in my butt because I sat on a barbed wire fence. Like, you know, it was, It was definitely a wild ride, but I am so grateful for the experience because I think it helped prepare me a lot to face other adversities in my life. And I think it put me in a good place to figure out how I was going to next face my next biggest problem. I did not know that about the barbed wire. That is hilarious. Oh, I mean, You you held that story back. Now you've just aired it to, you know, the five people that listen to this podcast the world. <laughs> there's more than five I promise there's six no I'm kidding well before the army not only did Gemma and I go to school together we also had the same after school job working at a local coffee shop Woo. um I don't know about you Jim, but that completely put me off working in hospo I-, I just remember on my first day the girl I was meant to be closing with called in sick and the manager left me to close up on my own with no training and I had to like ring our other friend who also worked at this coffee shop and I was like where's the light switch like how do I turn off the dishwasher and then the second day speaking of dishwasher the whole kitchen flooded and we were like in a mall so like the tiles it was going for miles and I ended up staying like mopping the floors till 9 p.m yeah I'm pretty sure I only last like I think it's the under 90 days where you can like leave and it's not like a big deal. I was like, 
why 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 am i voluntarily doing this like we were training all the way up from lower hut to upper hut to work a shitty job in the weekend that pay minimum wage and like i mean great every now and then we got to like if we worked a sunday night we got to bring home the leftover muffins because they couldn't resell them the next day and we'd take them like home or to like school the next day but like I just, yeah, it's definitely, I agree, put me off wanting to work in hospitality. Like, I just remember, I feel like all I ever did was wash dishes and clean tables. Like, I never got to serve people, but I didn't really want to either because I could never remember what muffins were where. And I'd be like, can I get this muffin? And I'd have to, like, be like, that, that's the blueberry one. And I'd have to, like, put it in. I know, I really do take my hat off to people who do work in hospital because it is stressful. Like, the amount of times I left a panini and the toaster and it, burnt many many times not good oh we had fun though I think occasionally when we were on shift together yeah no there was there was definitely some good laughs and like we got like a free sausage roll for lunch that was pretty good if you've had a terrible after school job please hit me up in the dms because I would love to know what they were so what's next for Miss Gemma Jacobson? I really don't know. Um, I'm really trying to find what I want to do next because I feel like my life was on hold for a significant amount of time that I want to be really passionate about what I do next. But, you know, I'm applying for jobs. You know, if anything happens, I'll keep you in the loop. But apart from now, I'm just trying to get fit. Shameless plug. Hey, Jim Jogging, watch me on my fitness journey. On that note, thank you so much for coming on the All Caught Up podcast. I really appreciate it and I've had a fantastic time catching up with you. Yes, it's been amazing. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I think it's really important to be able to talk about serious topics so that there's less stigma around it and so that people know that it's okay to talk. Definitely is. And I will put a link in the bio of this episode to the Leukemia Blood Cancer Foundation if anyone wants to donate to help people like Gemma. Oh, and you know what we haven't talked about, which is very important. While monetary donations are good, you should also, if you can, go and give blood because we never have enough. Yes, definitely go and give blood. I received so much blood during my treatment and like I I genuinely would not be alive if it wasn't for the people that went out and donated blood so I know needles can be scary but they give you free chocolate milk and free cookies like really you could probably even get the day off work if you felt a little bit rough like these are all positive guys you're saving a life free chocolate milk what more could you want right so the plan is you finish this podcast you get in your car you drive to your closest clinic you get your free chalky biscuits and you give some blood. Sounds sounds good to me. Yep. And if you live in Wellington and they didn't give you chocolate biscuits, you can come to my house and I will give you a chocolate biscuit. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the All Caught Up podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure you leave a review and hit the follow button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I can't wait to get all caught up with you again soon.